Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have a couple of amazing guests in Mr. Jason Postel and Tyler Leckis from MHCI Group. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind please taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Jason Postel and Tyler Leckis met in 2019 and formed MHCI Group in 2020. Since then, they have scaled to over 700 mobile home park lots, all in the state of Arkansas. Jason and Tyler, we are excited to welcome you both to the show. Hey, Andrew, thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, let's, uh, let's start with you, Jason. Would you mind sharing your story with our listeners and, and how you got into manufactured housing? Yeah, great. And I'll, I'll try to keep it brief and not get too, too long-winded here. But yeah, you know, starting out, I just... You know, real estate was was never really my background ever. You know, growing up, I wasn't really involved in it. Family didn't have it. I think you know my father had a rental, <laughs> Pine Hills. If, if you're familiar, shout out Pine Hills. But it, you know, it didn't go well, so I didn't really hear a whole lot of real estate talk. But I, I do remember being at a baseball tournament when I was about 12 and just seeing the skyline on Palm Beach. You know, walking the beach and just seeing it. I was little. I didn't even know the term real estate, right? But I knew there's some. I just was obsessed with buildings and just, I didn't even know what to think other than you know, one day I want to own building. I just, I, I just had a, a just obsession with, with buildings. Right. So long story short, going into no college, I played baseball. That was really my background. Played, played in uh, professional baseball and, um, you know, started hearing a little more about it and thought, well, one day, you know, I'll just get a real estate license and get into it. Right. So that, that is what I did my last season plan. And, the sales side, the residential, that that just wasn't it, right? I, I ended up hearing a guy at one of my camps, one of the pro camps, it was a big leaguer say, I didn't make my millions playing baseball. I made it owning thousand units in South Detroit, right? And, and so I was just like, bingo, okay, well, that's you know what I want to do. I want to create the passive income, figure out how to buy these buildings and just start asking myself questions, right? Like, how, how do I do this? Or who does own that building? You think it's these large groups, you start digging, you, you figure out, it's like, well, hey, it's a few guys that pull together, they, they learn and, and figure out how to do it. So got still on the brokerage side with apartments and, and started selling apartment buildings and then got on, on the investment side interested, in like find all these deals. I said, well, I, I want to start participating in this and figuring that out. And really when it when i made the pivot into mh it was more of a a safety deal like i had some investors and i said well it's one thing to lose my money right we can go make make more money but to lose someone else's money is just scariest thing in the world so i started looking a little more into what's safe like what's the safest statistically uh, asset in commercial real estate and i said i stumbled across some mobile home parks and um and that was in really 2018. I started doing a lot of phone calls. We'll get to that story in a little bit, how I met Tyler. Uh, but it, that's that's really what took the turn. And I, I ended up going independent instead of working for a, a commercial brokerage and uh, got in the door in, in 2020 with 
first investment and grew since then. So that's okay. So let's um, back up a second here. So professional baseball. So where did you play professional baseball at? So out of college, I, I wanted to just play baseball. That was just my whole, you know, when I was 10, I wrote a letter to my mom. Hey, I want to be a professional baseball, right? And that was true what you focus on, right? But I, I, I went to college to play baseball and then I signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks organization out of, out of my four year. I didn't go back to college. I ended up playing and then uh, playing throughout the minor leagues for a number of years and then um, had some injuries and could have probably kept it going, you know, in the, the minor leagues or these independent leagues and uh, ended up having a daughter and, and thought, hey, it's time to hang it up and I don't like saying retire. That just seems odd to say, right, at this point in my life. But but just hung it up and and uh, moved on into the real world. But it was, super it was a blessing. Cool. Yeah, it was a blessing. Yeah. No, that's super awesome. And then so you went into the brokerage side selling apartments. How long were you with the firm before you left and started your own brokerage firm sell, selling apartments, right? That's what you did next? That's correct. So I got in on, a, on the brokerage side in about 2016 got into a commercial brokerage for about two years before then I, you know, I had the broker's license and was able to do my own thing, go independent and that. So I was about two years or about four years working with a brokerage and then kind of went on my own. Gotcha. Okay. So then 2020, 2016, 2020 started your own brokerage and got into mobile home parks around the same time. Exact. Yes. Right. That was, man, you got a lot going on, dude. It was, it was a wild storm of events, but it was, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then Tyler comes along, right? How'd you guys meet up and, and put together the, the partnership? Yeah, I'll tell that story before Tyler tells his, his intro. But so really, I think it was one of my first couple of weeks going independent. I, I started calling mobile home park owners in Florida. He owned a park in Florida. I didn't own anything at this day. I was just trying to still on the brokerage or just find deals to, to invest in. It was my second week, my company, JV Capital Solutions, nobody knew, knew the name, called him cold. And I, Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong, I always says, he didn't tell me to F off exactly. I, he might have said, who the F is JP Capital Solutions? Boom, hung up my face, called him right back and just got out what I wanted to say, right? Because it's just like, that, I can't sleep at night if I'm, if I don't at least say what I want. I'm not going to harass people, but it's like, I at least want to get out. And whatever I said at that point, I, oh, I think we got hung up and just, we ended up continuing that conversation. And then we met Gavi and started talking a little more real estate and saw how, how kind of our, our ultimate goals aligned, you know, which is hard in this business, really with, with the- And what's your strength? Is your strength the acquisitions, the cold calling, the talking to owners? That's been my strength in the-, the And yes. Tyler, yeah. And Tyler, what's your strength? What do you bring to the partnership? Yeah, basically just boots on the ground. I, I've always been, uh, I don't know, kind of a touch and feel kind of a guy. And so okay. I, I manage like a lot of the contractors, a lot of like on, on-site operations. And, you know, if we were Blackstone or something like that, it probably wouldn't matter as much because we'd be buying, you know, four caps and all <laughs> tended on homes and, you know, whatever. But we're buying pretty heavy turns. And, you know, you know, you, you lived on-site. I remember your raccoon story, your raccoon <laughs> story, you know. Um, yeah. So these heavy turns, you know, you've got to be managing the contractors or you've got to be paying somebody 150 probably a year to really – you know, kind of manage those guys for you. And so I, we just, we said, look, we don't have that type of capital starting out. So I, I moved from Florida to Arkansas to kind of manage the portfolio to make sure there was somebody here because I'm partnering with all, so I can't do computers. So I was like, hey, I'm, but I'm pretty good at, you know, 
seeing, making sure people can do, do what they, uh, do what they say, you know, it doesn't, doesn't take a rocket scientist, but yeah, it takes some, uh, uh, a certain type of personality to deal with the contractors on a daily basis. And, um, For sure. And do you have a background in that? No, I, I don't. I, I, uh, I probably just grew up honorary or something. I don't know. You know. I used to fight golden gloves and, you know, whatever. So and I do some jujitsu now, you know, whatever anyways, but, uh, but just a little bit, a little bit about me, just back, just backstepping just a little bit. I, I was on the financial, I was in the financial world. I traded fixed income on wall street for all my career, basically until about 2016 and uh, end of 2016, I, I got out of that business. It was just, you were working 120 hours a week. I was trading different, you know, kind of foreign markets and it just wasn't really a good life. You know, you put on a bunch of weight and a bunch of stress and yada, yada, yada. So my dad sent me an article about, you know, basically mobile home parks. I was like, oh, this is kind of an interesting asset class. I ended up diving into it, quit my job a couple of months later, ended up buying my first park and did a whole bunch of stuff in between there. And then ended up buying my first park in 2018 in Titusville, Florida. So I moved from Florida, um, basically from Oregon to Florida and managed that park, self-managed that park. And then ended up meeting Jason, like he said, on that phone call. And one thing, one little thing that he did leave out was I did like how he called back. Yeah, you know, I was basically like, I, I was, it was like during Christmas or something like that. He called like, I think it was like one day before Christmas, like Christmas Eve or day before Christmas Eve. And so I had a couple of beers with my buddies. So, you know, whatever, I was having a good time and he called me up and I was like, you know, basically pissed off and I hung up and he called me back and I was like, I kind of like this guy. Like, I got to hear what he has to say, you know, cause I used to do that when I first started in the financial world, I was a sales guy. So I'd be like, oh man, we got disconnected, you know? So I, I did like that. I like that tenacity, you know. So, anyways, that's how that's how the uh, the conversation you know kind of got started between us. So it was good. So that um, is so awesome! Wow. Yeah. And then to this day, you guys are up to seven hundred lots, all in the state of Arkansas. Was that strategic? Was that just where opportunities came? You know, why focus on the state of Arkansas? So. Yeah, I got to get that credit to Tyler. I mean, him and I too. It wasn't just, uh, oh, hey, we met, cold call, coffee. We're we're jumping in a deal and, and growing this. Thing. I mean, we probably got our teeth kicked in to I don't know, 18, 24 months, which isn't a long time, granted. But just for your listeners out there, finding partners again is not the easiest thing at all, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were down here in Florida looking at deal and just deal after deal we're doing due diligence after and we could we just couldn't get across the finish line and i can see how a lot of people just hang it up and just like nope this is it and then guys come in just crush you with these cash offers and this was you know 2020 right when things were going crazy too some people were sitting on the sidelines but long story short the the florida didn't work out the market and, and tyler had a, a wild hair i can let him go into that into arkansas tyler, if you want to elaborate on how we tapped into arkansas but it wasn't a strategic like Oh, we're going to grow up to thousand. Once we got in it, it caught fire, but Tyler, if you want to jump in on. Yeah. I mean, really, I, um, Frank Rolf, he's kind of got that, you know, you dial him up on the, the phone and he kind of reviews a deal for you or helps you review a deal. And, um, I I've used called, him for that, by the way. Uh, yeah. I, I've, I've used yeah, him I've and used he him. always answers, man. I, I swear. Crazy. I, he is like Mr. Reliable. <laughs> and And it's, it's just, Anyways, yeah, that guy's that guy's a a phenom. I don't understand how he how he does everything he does. He's a legend. You have sixty thousand lots, and you answer all these nobody's phone calls. You know, Uh, not saying you're nobody, but you know, I feel like I'm a nobody, and and you know, I I just I can't believe he even picks up the phone. I know, Um, it's pretty awesome. 
But uh, I ended up, we were really struggling in Florida at the time. And I basically called him up and I kind of said we had sort of a deal. But I really wanted to just pick his brain kind of on the Southeast in general. He's like, well, I hate the Southeast. Like, okay, great. Like, okay, give, give me something else. And he goes, and he goes, look, if you, we were, if I was going to buy anywhere in the Southeast and I was starting out, he goes, I really think Little Rock is an under really like kind of like undercover market. And he goes, I don't think it's going to be for the faint of heart, but he's like, look, if you're trying to make some money and trying to scale out somewhere, he's like, I don't think there's any really institutional operators in Little Rock. He's like, that's just my humble opinion. So I started looking into it. I had a buddy who just started at Marcus and Chap right when we were looking and he was looking to buy parks. So I said, hey, why don't you database Little Rock for us? And he ended up databasing Little Rock for us. And I think he sold his like second or third deal to us because he got a hold of this guy named Joe Carrere who owned these two parks. Actually, it's the two parks right behind me. Those are that's my that's my wall art, my apartment here. Nice. Um, yeah. So and and yeah, we ended up you know buying those parks and and then what we found out is as we got deeper into the market and I lived here a little bit and we kind of figured out you know what kind of figured out a little bit more about the market in general is that the land values here are super low mm. and the rents really outsize the value of the land. I don't know why the market ended up kind of meshing like that. So what you have there is, is that you can go buy something for 10,000 an acre, right? And you can go rent it out for, you know, three, 400 bucks a month. So you have this where like, if you're going to buy something in Los Angeles, right? You may have really high rent there, but the, the land value is going to crush your cap rate. Right. Sure. So we've just found this this arbitrage basically within the state of Arkansas that I, I couldn't find anywhere else. I mean, Alabama and Georgia at the time, too. I mean, even till today are getting bid up. I mean, we're we're buying our average price per pad, I think, is like around 20,000 for the 700 right. units. So yeah, it's just great. I mean, you think about that average, you know, our average lot rents 325, 350. Anyways, I'm not trying to dive, dive down the rabbit hole of all the metrics, but really good, you know, overall cap rates. And but we've had to. I just remember. So. My in-laws live in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Oh, okay. And I remember driving down, I don't even know the highway, but we were driving down the road and I saw a billboard above an apartment complex. So it was like a C-grade apartment complex. And it said $350 a month, month-to-month rentals. And I just remember thinking, what? For an apartment? Not even just lot rent. An apartment was $350 a month. So when you're buying these parks, you know, are lot rents like $100 a month, $150? Like, are they really low? Jason, you want to take that? You want me to take that? Yeah, yeah, you can jump. I mean, the the apartments, yeah, Fort Smith, we did look at some 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 deals in, in Fort Smith. And where we all, the, the apartment rent is is much higher. So we we have, to, to your question, okay. Andrew, we bought a, a park. It's actually a really good deal store. I mean, at $90. A month, if you can believe, and anybody in America was living there, lot rent, and Jeez. they, and then we went to two fifty, which was well below. I mean, we're having three twenty five, and we still think that's that's pretty below. And and there are some higher lot rent in the area, but they they were, oh, this lot rent has been in fifteen years, or and we're like, no, no kidding, right? And so we got that thirty. It was a thirty three site deal, and yeah, for three seventy five, and then the bank valued it at eight. 820 and and within five months we just that's how we kept kept moving along um so yeah your question there there has but right now no i mean i mean we're seeing maybe 175 200 at at the low end and that's again mom and pop that have owned this for 10 15 years and know sally and johnny and go collect the rent still and 
So yeah, I just wanted to know if there was meat on the bone, you know, like it's so low that like, and maybe it's just Fort Smith, but I just remember thinking like, man, I, I don't know how to get those to pencil out. You know, if, if lot rents, if, if apartment rents are that, where, where are uh, lot rents going to be at? But let me, let me uh, go through my questions here. I'm kind of getting off track. Tyler, let's throw this one to you. What do you think is the toughest hurdle you've guys, you guys have had to overcome in mobile home park investing? So I think I think there was two different there's been two different kind of main challenges like when we first started off right I think it was probably finding money going out there and finding money to actually get deals because mm-hmm. um, we really didn't have a track record to go out and and gather the money that we needed to kind of continue to scale and I think that was also in part two of that challenge again when we were first starting off um, was also finding a manager that was willing to take a pretty low salary right, to deal with a, a lot of problems because we're, we're in a kind of a high crime area of Little Rock. So those finding personnel and then finding money kind of early on uh, was a big, big challenge. As we've gotten bigger, our deal flow has gotten really good and the money's gotten easier, but now it's building out kind of policies and procedures to continue to kind of scale that growth. And so those may be more business challenges versus mobile home park challenges. But on the, on the I guess I'm on the mobile home park side, I mean, the tenants, I mean, they're just the tenants sure. and the, and, and yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, I gotcha. Totally. Yeah. What, what would you say? So do you guys manage in house? Yep. Okay. And maybe you can just shed a little bit of light on that. Like how your operation looks, you know, do you have a team? Is it just you guys, you know, what is, you know, and then maybe, when we're done with that, we can talk about like what your parks look like, you know, like you mentioned, you have one that's 33 lots, you know, do you guys buy with, with public utilities, private utilities, or, or, you know, kind of what that looks like? Yes. Yeah, so I'll, t- I'll take the team side and then Jason can maybe speak a little bit more about the utilities or Jason, does that, does that sound good for you? Sure. Yeah. We can dive into the deals. Yep. Okay. So basically, I mean, I, I, uh, it'll be pretty short and sweet because basically right now how the structure is, We've got on-site managers. We've got kind of a call center that feeds up into really, we've got like two VAs in the Philippines that help us with a whole bunch of different stuff. They've been with us for a couple of years now. And so they, they really know the business inside and out. So it kind of flows up to them. If they really can't answer anything, it goes to Jason and myself. But Jason and myself, really, I mean, we, we use our own human capital to kind of deal with a lot of the medium to big size problems. I mean, the small problems most of the time get vetted out, but we're really, you know, we're trying to acquire more assets and really doing most of the operational side ourselves, you know? So that's one thing, you know, getting a district manager. I know we were talking to you guys at MHI about that, you know, how how your guys' district managers work or vice presidents of district managers. We definitely need to build in that kind of that operational system, but it's a, it's definitely a, the cash flow and seasoning assets, there's definitely a kind of a yang and a yang there. I'm sure you guys dealt with the same thing, hiring and kind of getting that cash flow up to up to snuff while you guys, you know, paid somebody, you know, district managers get paid 50, 60, 70 a year. How do you build that in your cash flow and continue to have outsized returns for your investors? You know, it's a it's definitely a, a balancing act. But right now that's how our structure is. It's basically on-site managers, call center, kind of goes to our two BAs and then up to us. So Cool. Jason, let's throw it to you, brother. Lean and mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in looking for, uh, like utility said, how, how, what are we, deals are we targeting? 
Yeah, right? you don't I, have to go through like every one of your parts, yeah. but like, you know, what what what, are you, what does most of your portfolio look like? So we only have one property that is private utility. So obviously the direct bill, I, I think that was one of your questions, what's the perfect deal like? So this kind of answers that, right? Obviously the direct bill, 100% tenant owned homes, right? One one clean parcel, because we have a couple, you know, 18 and then a 22 over here. And you know, our largest assets is 122 sites. So that's a nice, clean, direct bill, 100% tenant owned, beautiful property. That was, that's a almost like the perfect deal, right? But yeah, only only one property right now. We don't just cross it off the list. We, we're not hard and fast, like, oh, it has septic or, I mean, uh, laboons, nobody really wants to look into those maybe, or I don't say nobody, but yeah, that's, we, we try to steer away or we're just really diving in on the due diligence side on those because we've we've ran into the Orangeburg, right? Which is like, Years ago, didn't even know what that was, right? I'm, I'm not. I've I've learned a lot. Of Tyler way more than I. I mean, he's like, say, the warrior on the ground. He's in there managing the contractors and doing all that. And and there's a lot that comes up. But but yeah, ours in Little Rock. Out of those 700, there's about 424 that are are right in about a three to five mile radius, right? So that we is. It's not easy to manage, but it's obviously easier to manage than just having them spaced out 18, 20, 40 units throughout the state. So. And those those started being easier to find with once we bought one, right? Then we call the owner down the road. Hey, we own here, and then that that's really how that that transpired. But yeah, are these like value add projects that have oh, vacant lots. Oh and yeah, sorry, need to be rehabbed, or are these like stabilized assets that you're just buying? No, like these are heavy lift. These are these are heavy heavy turns. I mean, even the the one that had private utilities, the septic, that was a full park thirty three, but it was one hundred percent park owned homes. We converted that 50% of the park left. It was a nightmare. Just, I mean, I admit this, but it's, I think, important for your listeners because it's not all great, right? So it's, it's, they went and we're, oh my God. And then it was, it's our top performer right now, though. We converted it. Some people just don't want to own a home, right? Some people think, oh, happy birthday, Merry Christmas. Here's my home. And they're thrilled and they love the ownership, but it didn't work out in that scenario. So we've, we've, we've tried some different angles. But yeah, the infill, that's been, that was a huge challenge. Right. A lot of these are and we're still looking at those deals. It's just we're it, to bring in homes, set them, start get the, the the contractors in place. And I know, Tyler, if you want to jump in on this, but that that's a huge challenge. But most of our deals have been that. That's why we got them at a steep discount, you know, 10,000 pad, 12. Like Tyler mentioned, average 20,000 a, a pad. They've all been. So how many how many homes have you guys infilled over the last year or so? I mean, just at one property, we brought in what Tyler uh, seven in one month. Tyler, what in the last year? It's it's probably it's probably been between used and new homes throughout the portfolio. It's probably been between twenty five and thirty, and we're probably bringing another seven to ten here in the next six months. So it's and it's you know again just I'm sure you've gone over this on some podcasts, Andrew, but um, infill in homes when a broker comes out and says. Hey, this you could generate the 10 cap from this deal. All you got to do is fill in 20 vacant lots. You know, it's uh, you know, those guys are out of their freaking minds. If they knew all the all the operational stuff that went in on the ground here to actually buy the home, get the actual highway crew to drop it in the correct space, and then hiring your setup crew to go set the home, hooking it all up to utilities, doing the skirting steps. And all the stuff that falls off the walls when the home actually comes in, all the lights that fall off, all the walls that fall off. I mean, it's it is an absolute to do, and you really need somebody. Again, I mean, uh, somebody that cares about the property, taking that home and putting it on the pad. Because if 
if you angle it too far one way or another, you lose a whole nother path. And then oh, you, guess sure. what? You got to re-pick that home back up. Re-put, that's I not mean, cheap. That's yeah, not it's cheap. not cheap at all. <laughs> it's not cheap at all. So. Ask me how I know. That's not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you, I'm sure there's been some, uh, Mistakes. Yeah. Mistakes. That's my next question, Tyler. And I'll direct this one to you. You know, what mistakes have you guys made that, you know, our listeners can learn from? Yeah. I mean, God, we made every, probably every mistake in the book, um, everywhere from, you know, wrong water balances to incorrect, you know, lot rents on people's like online systems. But I really think one of our, our biggest mistakes, thank God we bought the asset, right? Jason touched on it earlier. We bought a property called Arch Estates, as we call it now. I was 33 park-owned homes, and we slammed these guys. And we basically said, you either get your home and you get out. And that was not the correct move because they all got out. They got 50% of the park went vacant. Luckily, we bought it for $675,000, which saved us. Uh, and we could make the debt service payment and all that. But we basically had to go in there and renovate homes that had – I mean, I remember walking into one home, and it looked like the, the walls – and the ceiling and the floors were moving because there's so many cockroaches oh, in there. Geez. And they were they dropped down my shirt when I walked in. So we had to renovate these houses. So we had to get the cash flow back up. And I mean, the renovations were gnarly. HVACs were shot. Every I mean, again, I mean, there was one guy who ended up going to jail because he he got so pissed off. He took a shotgun and started shooting holes in the walls. Oh, Anyways, all this stuff. So one of our biggest mistakes was sending that letter out to your park-owned home residents for your listeners out there. I would recommend if you buy a heavy park-owned home, and I'm sure you've done this, Andrew, as well, but if you buy all park-owned homes, you got to do them in sections, and it's got to be super light. Hey, just want to let you know, you know, we're, we're, we're offering this to you, and offer like, you know, if it's a 30-space park, or we'll say it's a 100-space park, do five to 10 at a time. Hey, we're offering this. Oh, they don't want to take it? No problem. We just recommend, you know, that we'll be converting this sometime in the future, Right. So I think that was that was a pretty big mistake. And again, if, you know, we were buying something for twenty five thousand a pad. I mean, we, we probably would have gone under on that property. Yeah. But luckily, we bought it bought it correctly. And I think that's another. Well, that's a that's a pro for one of your or your your listeners out there that are trying to buy their first park. Look at price, man, because price is going to keep you out of trouble. And I think, I think you know that, Andrew. So oh, totally, that was definitely one of our yeah. bigger mistakes. And then you know, Jason, you mentioned Orangeburg that you ran into Orangeburg. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, I mean, one of our, and that's one one time it, at one property in, uh, actually up in Mountain Home, there was a part of the property that that had, and, and we do now always scope the lines, make sure we know what we're getting into. Uh, we, we got this one at a discount and it, it wasn't a monster problem, but it was just something where it, we run into it, they start digging, boom, okay, well now it's great, now we're, we got issues going and problems and replacement and it, it it just snowballed into a larger problem than than we were originally anticipating but was um, the whole park orangeburg half of the park was but we don't have issues throughout the whole park but we we found out it it there was one park that again they started digging and then oh they just went right through the orangeburg and we found out okay well place that and but yeah it wasn't the whole community luckily yeah, luckily, because that stuff is brutal. It's like this bad paper mache. Yeah, why would they ever like whoever invented that? Like, why would you do that? Like, just doesn't no. make no sense. Idea. Yeah, sewer lines of some of these properties are pretty crazy. We found we had to replace <laughs> like three hundred and thirty feet of sewer line at this one one area because it was all screwed up. The city was up, you know, upset with us. But we ended up finding cement 
Hex, Schedule 10, Copper. Um, <laughs> copper sewer lines? No, no, I'm sorry, not Copper, Stainless Steel, and then Orangeburg. So he found five different types of sewer lines all patched together in this 330 feet. It was crazy. <laughs> I remember taking pictures with Jay, for Jason when I was out there, like overseeing the plumbers when they were when they were doing their thing. And I was just like, what is going on out here? Who yeah. put this stuff together? You know, that is, that's these mom and pops, man. 50, 60 years of just, you know, patching it up is yeah. is what led to that. It's crazy. Well, let yeah. me ask you both this. We'll start with you, Jason. This is one of the, the questions that gets the, the best feedback from the listeners. It's what are the most important things passive investors, you know, we're talking limited partners here. What do they need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? So Jason, you start off and then we'll go to you, Tyler. Yeah, and that's, that's a really good question because there's so many guys doing it, apartments, or, you know, and, and it's just really knowing the the operators and and really the the track record right and and it, it's, if if somebody's new that's okay but like what what have they done what are and I had a, a guy tell me that it was an apartment guy but it, it it was he he said a lot of these operators are operating off pro forma instead of a property management plan right which I thought was really interesting I'm like wow that actually is a good point because you can paint these. IRRs and get all these LPs excited and cash on cash and blah, blah. But then it's like, how are you managing this thing? Like, how, oh, well, we're juicing rents and we're painting it. And, no, it's like, how are you managing this? <laughs> right? Like, if all hell breaks loose, who's going? Oh, Tyler, Jason, okay, we're, we know how to lease up. Right? Every every little piece of the, the business, it's like, how, how are you managing it? Right? So knowing that if all eight men on site or whoever quits tomorrow, right? No notice. We had that just the other day, just blew back, right? Tyler and I were, were one property managers quit on spot, no notice, just gone, right? So then what happens? Okay, well, do the operators know how to get in there and, and operate and, and do A to Z, right? And not just find the deal. Cause I got popped in the mouth pretty good. Cause I love the deals, right? I, I mean, that's just what keeps me going. Cause property management, I mean, I hate to even say it because it's the lifeblood of the business, but I would never start a property management company just to have a third party. I have people all the time ask me, oh, you, you got a brokerage you can do? I'm like, no, we we do in-house with our our group. That That's it. We don't offer third party. We, I want no business of that side, but it's, again, the lifeblood. And so going back to your question, what the LPs, what, what do they need to look for when investing is just... The operation side, right? More than just the shiny ball metric of the cash on cash and the IRR being the thirty percent, twenty. You know, it's it's how are how are they operating these guys? Who who are these guys? How how are they truly operating the business? And that's 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 good. Yeah, operations is super tough. You know, I was talking with someone earlier today, and you know, we were talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, and the ugly in mobile home parks is you know, this is affordable housing and you're going to have a tough time managing this. And you, like you're saying, Tyler, you got to have good systems in place and it just comes with time for sure. But Tyler, what would you say? What's, what's the most important for passive investors looking to invest in mobile home parks? Yeah. I mean, it gets, it, it depends on the type of structure, but we'll just say it's a, just a fund, right? You know, you got to make sure that the internal metrics, whatever the, you know, the GPs are measuring their metrics off of, you know, what, what are those internal metrics and how are they going to get from A to Z on those? And then as well, you know, what are the fees involved, right? 
because you know sometimes I've seen those those packages where there is the fees aren't baked into the you know the total returns for the the fund. So they'll say, well, this is you know they'll have a little disclaimer at the bottom of the page. This is you know before all fees that are taken out, and they'll have like you know seven different fee fees on that you know a debt placement fee and a you know an you know an asset management fee and all this stuff. So and then I would also kind of look at how. I guess this is this is more on the operation side, but I would look at how the assets actually are and what the plan is, right? So, what I mean by that is like if you're buying a um, hundred space park and there's only one occupied lot versus buying a hundred space park and it's you know you got ninety nine occupied lots, right? Those turnarounds and the ability for the the GPs to kind of get to those those metrics are going to be two way different hurdles with both those assets, right? One's going to be pretty easy. One's going to be really, really hard. Again, assuming price is relatively equivalent, yeah. except, you know, all the variables, you know, you take it all into account. It gave so, me a little bit of anxiety when you said a hundred lot park and one occupied. That was just yeah. like, oh. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Oh my God. Again, the infill. I just, I can't stress that enough to new operators. It's tough. Yeah. In, it's and tough. And I think is, just for, for the passive investors listening, you know, I think you've heard that on other episodes where it's like, hey, what's the toughest value add component? And hands down, it's infill because, like you said, there's so many variables that you need to line up. You can't buy a home that's a 14 by 70 standard size and put it on a lot that can only fit a 56 foot long, you know, home. And, yep. you know, you can you can lose and, and, and jeopardize a lot of investor money if you're not careful with that process. So hundred percent, I would love to, um, and I know this isn't about you, but I, I would love to pick your brain about the, uh, the toter that you guys bought and how that's been working out. Anyways, off, yeah. you know, off camera or on yeah, camera no, no, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. So we, so for the listeners, we bought a, a, a mobile home toter truck. We started a business, a one mobile home transport and installation. We did that three years ago. And it was one of the best things we ever did because we had a lot of big infill projects and it just gave us priority. We could control our timelines in a pro forma so much better because it was our own internal crew. And that's just one of the big pain points I'm sure you guys are experiencing is these third-party transport companies are kind of fly-by-nights. You know, they're, they're not like the most professional guys that are like sticking to their timelines. It's like, oh, I had you on the schedule for Thursday, but it's Thursday now and something else came up. And I'm going to have to move you to next Thursday. And it's like, I can't run a business where I'm, you know, basing my pro forma returns off of the a, a time horizon that I can't control because these guys keep, you know, getting whimsical with their, their, their timeline. So we started the company. It was heavily about the person. We had a really good person that had already drove, you know, trucks and things like that. So that was a huge part of it is making sure that he you know, he was going to be, he was going to be running things, you know, Jerry Rice is his name and, and he's very by the book type of guy. So yeah, that's, it's still there, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's tough because he doesn't want to like travel, you know, and go, Hey, he lives in St. Louis, but he doesn't want to go, you know, to Michigan for six months to do a project and then go to Minnesota for six months, you know? So it's, we just got to pick and choose our projects at this point, but you know, you just, you have to have enough scale too, to like be able to make it work. But sure. Sure. Yeah, dude. I think Tyler dropped off or his internet fell or something.
but uh, we'll just keep going. What yeah. does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes, Jason, and why? Shoot. Well, I, I might have alluded to do it earlier with you know the direct bill. That that's one thing. Just call it the holy grail. You know, I want to say holy grail, you know. But uh, that's that's been the best. The parks that we have, just direct bill. We're not chasing water bills. We always do separately meter, right? Metron. There's mm -hmm. few, quite a few different providers, but we always do separately meter, which is great, right? And we we build that back and and recapture that. But it's still there's still some operational errors there, right? Oh, meter misreads, or oh, meter isn't working, or whatever it is. We're chasing the water bill. So that that's the best with you know the tenant owned homes. Obviously, we, we offload that expense and and yeah, just you know a nice clean you know fifty to hundred plus park right there, direct build, hundred percent tenant owned. You know, it would be a, a great um, with, with a yeah. quality. Yeah, in an in an MSA with a hundred thousand population, and you know lot rents upon acquisition are two fifty, and market is five hundred. Yeah, right? exactly. There's right. plenty yeah, of those yeah, out yeah, there. Just, around, right, right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. With with some upside there. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect part yeah. there. Yep. Yep. Would you add anything else, Tyler? No, I I uh, I mean I I kind of got there back there in the middle, but yeah, I mean again, hundred hundred plus space park and you know downtown Orlando. You know, a safe area, you know, that's got some older residents to it and, you know, 2000, 2000 model homes or, or newer. I mean, all direct build and a, and a, you know, a city government and a state government that's pro pro mobile home park, you know, they're helping us out every way they can. So, oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I never met one of those. Let me know when you, when you find Yeah, one. exactly. <laughs> and no Orangeburg. Yeah. No yeah, Orangeburg no sewer lines. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, awesome. This has been a great convo, guys. Thanks so much for doing this. If any of our listeners would like to get a hold of you guys, what would be the best way for them to do so? Yeah, I mean, our emails, we're always on email, you know, Jason at mhcigroup.com and, and Tyler's the same, Tyler at mhcigroup.com. That's the best way to contact us. And cool. Appreciate it, Andrew. Awesome. Yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate your time and thanks again for having us. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. That's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.